Good morning, Beaches Chapel Church Online. It's great to be with you all this morning as you sit in your pajamas, most likely sipping your coffee in the comfort of your own home. Uh, Our homes are our sanctuaries right now. Uh, God's meeting us, I believe, and, and talking to us in all sorts of different ways. The church looks a little bit different than it did a few weeks ago, but I'm excited about that as we continue to get out of our comfort zones and uh, gather together virtually. Uh, Before we get to the sermon this morning, I just want to go over a few announcements. Um, Until you hear otherwise, all campus activity is continuing to be closed. Uh, Youth ministry, kids ministry on Wednesday nights, all that stuff that we normally have um, throughout the week is closed. Um, This past week, we did a pastor's Q&A, and we posted it on our YouTube channel and on our app uh, on Wednesday, April 1st. If you missed that, I encourage you to go back and check it out. We had a lot of you uh, submit questions, and we as pastors did our best to answer those and just kind of give our thoughts on on where God is during this pandemic, what he's doing in it, and what it means kind of for, for everything, for the world. And so if you didn't get a chance to watch that, again, I encourage you to go on our YouTube channel, just search Beaches Chapel. You don't have to search Beaches Chapel Church or Beaches Chapel School, just Beaches Chapel, and you'll see all of our daily devotionals, our online services, as well as the pastoral Q&A that we posted this past Wednesday. Give it a listen, and, um, and hopefully it blesses you. We may be doing more of those, so just uh, you know, listen for any updates. The best way to... Uh, just kind of keep abreast of what's going on because we're not meeting regularly, is to follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, We have several different accounts. We have our Beaches Chapel Church account. We have our Beaches Chapel Youth Ministry account. We have our Beaches Chapel Fun Zone account. We even have a Beaches Chapel Worship account along with our Beaches Chapel School account. And I just want to encourage you, if you are on social media, follow those things. Even if you don't have a youth, if you don't have a a kid who's, who's young, who's in elementary school, follow those things anyway, because all of it is encouraging. All of it is about what Beaches Chapel is doing, and and I guarantee you it'll brighten your day no matter matter where you're at, and if you have teenagers or or young ones or whatever. So uh, we're we're posting all sorts of things. We're trying to be as engaged on a day-to-day basis as we possibly can. Monday through Fridays, we're putting out daily devotionals from all of our pastors, and we're getting a chance to hear from all of us about what God's saying to us um, and through us about everything that's going on. So just a great opportunity to um, be fed and encouraged every single day through social media. Um, I also just want to take a moment on behalf of all of Beaches Chapel Church to thank you for the giving that you were doing. As we're not meeting together on Sundays You all are continuing to give and to tithe. And I just want to say on behalf of all of us, thank you. It is humbling and we greatly appreciate it. We have needs that need to be met here like we do every week. And for you all to continue to give um, is just awesome. So thank you for that. And we do want to remind you, you can give through the website. You can give through our app. And uh, if you don't like either one of those options, you can continue to give by uh, an actual check or a cash giving. Um, you can just drive up here Monday through Thursday between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. And we have a drop box, a locked drop box, right outside our church office door. And you can drop your tithes off that way. In our business office, we'll make sure to collect those at the end of every workday. So if you drop it in before 2 p.m., that gift, that tithe will not spend the night in that box. It'll be brought in and accounted for that day. So again, thank you for all the tithes and, uh, that you've been continuing to give. And we believe that God is gonna multiply those things and bless you and your home as well. Uh, something I forgot to mention last week that I wanna mention this week is 
Uh, last Sunday was our Mission Sunday, and I can't believe I forgot to mention that, um, but I want to bring it up today. You know, we uh, need to be supporting our missionaries just so much now because there is all sorts of things going on in the world and a lot of them are out there they're in the trenches and they're counting on our support and uh and we need to support them so as as we're home you know this week i want to just challenge everyone everyone that's watching this to go on our website under the give tab and find the missions and and give to missions and if you normally give, continue that. If, and if you don't normally give to missions, if it's something that you just forget to do month to month, give this week, give today to our missions. And let's, I, I'm, I'm challenging us as Beaches Chapel to have a higher missions offering than we've ever had because they need it now. They, they need these offerings now more than ever. So you can do that through our app as well or through um, basically however you want to tithe, you can do that with missions as well. So why don't we just take a moment right now and let's pray over our ties. Let's pray over our missions offerings. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, thank you so much, Jesus, for, um, for these tithes, these offerings, Lord, that we give you, Father, that have been given to you, God. And Lord, we know that we serve a God who can take a little and do much with it. And we pray that you would do that now, Father, that you would take what we give you and that you would do much with it, Father. God, I pray that you would multiply our gifts. And Jesus, we pray for every missionary that Beaches Chapel supports and every missionary that we don't support that is out there on the front lines, God, ministering to people all throughout this world. God, in a time that people have so many questions and they need you now more than ever, God, I pray for our missionaries that you would multiply these givings, God. You would, you would give to them exponentially. You would give them more than they, than they normally receive, Father, from all the churches around the world. Father, I pray that you would meet every need that they have, God, and that you would fill their hearts and their minds, Lord, with the things that they need to do the work that you've called them to do, and that they would reach more people now than ever, God, as people are asking questions, God, and seeking you out, that they would find our missionaries, God, they would find the people that you've sent out, and they would meet you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, multiply these givings. Multiply them, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So last week we did, started a two-week series on the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, we, we began it by just talking about now is such a huge time for us as a church, as us as a body and us as a family to be praying together for one another, for the lost ones, for this world. And we need to, we need to get back to prayer because prayer is where it all begins the greatest things that God has ever done began with prayer and the, the hardest things that we've ever endured were endured through prayer. So we need to get back to that. It all starts with prayer. And you know, last week, we, what we did was we looked at the Sermon on the Mount and we looked at Jesus and we looked at the Lord's Prayer and, and we, we dissected a little bit of it. Before we even got to that though, we talked about how prayer is not is not something that we have to learn how to do. We have to learn the right verbiage. We have to know this, these many scriptures by heart in order to pray. You know, the devil a lot of times tells us that we don't know how to pray so that we won't pray because prayer is our, is our greatest weapon. And so we talked about that and we talked about the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I encourage you, if you, didn't, if you didn't hear that sermon, if you missed it, it is on our, it is on our YouTube channel. You can go back and watch that. And I, I, listen, I really encourage you to do so because there's a, this Lord's Prayer, it's simple, but it is deep. It is beautiful and it, it, will, it will transform 
our thoughts about prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not a religious thing that we do. It is powerful. And so again, I want us to return to that this morning. We're gonna pick up kind of halfway through. The first part of the Lord's Prayer is all directed towards and about God, his, about him being our father, about him having his throne in heaven, about his name being exalted and hallowed and revered and his will being done. And then it kind of changes, it, it turns a little bit. And then it, it talks about us and our needs and the things that, that we you know, bring to the table in terms of prayer. And so we're gonna jump right in this morning. We're gonna look in Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 11. And it says, after it says, yours kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It says, give us today our daily bread. And we're gonna stop right there, all right? And we're gonna look at, at this simple verse, give us today our daily bread. And the word that I wanna hone in on this morning is that word daily, okay? That word daily is, is huge. It is an important word because, listen, a lot of times we don't pray for daily bread. We pray for a month's worth of bread. We pray for a year's worth of bread. And honestly, we pray for a lifetime of bread. We wanna hit the lottery of bread. We, we, want, we want God to give us everything that we need for the rest of our lives so that we cannot worry about daily bread. We can check bread off the list. Say, God, just give it all to me. Pour out a lifetime worth of bread for me, for my family, for my children, for my grandchildren. I wanna hit the lottery of bread. But what Jesus instructs us to do here is not ask for a week's worth, a month's worth, a year's worth, or a lifetime's worth of bread. He says to ask God for daily bread. And I, what I wanna do is I wanna look, actually go a little bit further in Matthew chapter six and, uh, and look at a few verses that actually uh, Pastor Howard touched on in his daily devotional this week. And I wanna read those and how it applies to this, give us today our daily bread. And it's Jesus talking again. And it starts in verse 25, where he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? First, Jesus says, look, life is so much more than food and what we wear. Life is about relationships. Life is about growing in me. But then he goes on to say, look, if I clothe and feed the birds of the air, you know, don't you think I'll do that for you? Are, he, he gives this specific question. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I am going to answer this question for all of us right now. I'm gonna do a little spoiler, right? And I'm gonna tell you that yes, you are more valuable than a bird, okay? If you're watching this right now with someone in your living room, I want you to turn to them right now and look them in the eye and with, with, with complete sincerity, say to them, you are more valuable than a bird right? And, and if you're watching this and there's someone else in your house, maybe they're in the kitchen doing dishes or doing something else in, in your house, I want you to yell to them right now. Say, hey, you're more valuable than a bird, all right? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's such a almost ridiculous question to ask. And I think Jesus, that's why he asked this to show us our error. If you went, if you went up to someone on, on the side of the road, a stranger, and said, you know what? I felt like God really wanted me to tell you something this morning. I felt like he wanted me to share with you that you're more valuable than a bird. They would probably look at you like you've lost your mind. 
And rightfully so, because that notion to think that we are less valuable than a bird is silly. But you know, what Jesus is addressing here is a truth. He, he's, he's uncovering an error of ours that we and how we pray and how we worry is as if we are less valuable than the birds of the air. We need to understand when we pray, God, give us this day our daily bread. We are praying as his children. Remember the beginning of this prayer, our father. We are his children. And if he is clothing us, if he is clothing birds and he's feeding birds, surely he will do that because we are more valuable than birds, okay? We are more valuable than birds. And he's doing something by telling us to pray for daily bread rather than month-long bread and rather than a year or a lifetime's worth of bread. But before we get to that point of what he's doing, let's look at another story. Let's go back to the Old Testament and look at Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse one, an example of when God gives daily bread. Because this is not the first time, we're not the first people to ask for this, all right? We're gonna pick up the story of the Israelites in the desert. And they've been in the desert for a little while. And we're gonna pick it up in verse one and just kind of read about what's going on here, okay? It says, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Verse four says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Okay, but before we even get to that part, the for that day, I wanna look back where it, where it says that there, were, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Okay, think about this for a second. The Israelites have now been in the desert, according to this scripture, for about six weeks. It says the, the 15th day of the second month. So roughly about six weeks, they have been in the desert, okay? Six weeks removed from being enslaved in Egypt. Six weeks removed from crying out to God, saying, God, free us, have mercy on us. Six weeks of, uh, removed from being under the thumb of the Egyptians. Okay, and so the, the point that I'm making is they had, it, it, took, it took them six weeks to forget what life was like before they were in the wilderness. And I wanna, I wanna say this, we're in a, in a pandemic right now and life is, is different now for us than it's probably ever been. And, and I don't say what I'm about to say to trivialize what we're going through because what we're going through is big, it's massive and it's hard. But before this pandemic hit, life was still hard. My, maybe not to the scale that it is now, but there was still sickness, there was still death, there was still d disease, there was still uh, you know, financial difficulty, there was still hardships all over the place. And we tend to forget when we are going through something that we have been through other things. We, we tend to look back on life and say, oh man, it was just hunky-dory and peachy keen and everything was great. No, it wasn't. There might've been times where it was, sure, but there were also times that were hard. But what we need to do is remember those times and then remember that God saw us through. When we forget the trials, we also forget the testimony. 
And so what we need to do is look back and say, yeah, things were hard, but you know what? God got us through to this point. So in this moment, we can say God is going to get us through again. How much different would it have been if the Israelites, rather than saying, oh, if we had just died in Egypt where we sat around with all these pots of food and eating all this stuff, instead they had said, you know what? The God that we serve heard our cry, sent the plagues, split the Red Sea, drowned the Pharaoh and the Egyptian army, and he will do it again right now. Instead of crying, God, oh, if you had just killed us in Egypt, if you had just taken us then. We need to be that people that says, life was hard then and God saw us through, so he will see us through now. And he will give us our daily bread now. Can we be that people? Let's not forget the trials that we had before this, lest we forget our testimony as well. Instead, let's stand on the testimonies that we've already had in life so that we can stand and get through what we're going through now. Okay, so now verse four. Yeah, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. You know, if you, if you continue reading in this story, which we're not gonna do this morning, but I encourage you to do so, there were people that gathered enough for tomorrow, the next day as well. But you know what God did with that, that bread, that manna that they, they collected was he, he filled it with maggots and made it uneatable and just disgusting so that they couldn't. And I think what God's trying to teach us and this, when we ask for more than we need, it's really about a trust issue. Do we trust the stuff or do we trust him? God is not trying to torment us when he says, Let, let's just worry about today. Let's just live day by day. It's not about him trying to tease us or torment us or anything like that. He's trying to say, look, trust in me, not on your bank account. Trust in me, not on the, a full pantry and a full refrigerator. Trust in me. I will supply your needs daily. And then here's the thing that's cool. As we begin to trust in him more, we don't live in fear. We don't, we don't need that safety net. But let, let me say this as well. This is not a license for us to just go spend all of our money willy-nilly and just live freely and, and it's, oh, God will cover me tomorrow. No, that's not what it's about at all. It's about being responsible. It's about living within our means and not being silly. It's not about, you know, like when Jesus was in the desert you know, and the devil said, hey, jump off this and let the angels catch you. Jesus said, don't put my God to the test. We're not putting God to the test by, by frivolous, frivolously living and, and spending money where we shouldn't. We're saying, God, I'm gonna trust you every day with what I have. And as we do, the trials become less because we see God come through every single day. I hope that makes sense. I wanna continue on with um, the discussion of the birds that, that Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter six. Let's pick it up in verse 28. It says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So now he's gone from comparing us to birds to flowers in the field. Verse 30, if this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Look, God is saying here, your heavenly father, 
knows that you need them. Okay, so this prayer, give us today our daily bread, that Jesus is instructing us to pray is an understanding. Listen, we, we, need to, we, need, we need to understand this. We need to walk in this because I know things are hard right now. I know this is a trying time, but we need to understand that God is concerned with our practical needs. He understands that we need to pay the bills. We need to pay the electric bill and the, and the water bill and the gas bill and we need groceries and we need things for our children and we, we need this and that. God is a God of practicality, okay? He is. And so don't think that he does, isn't concerned with the practical things of our life. This prayer is evidence of that, that Jesus instructs us to ask him for our daily bread, the things that we need. But what he says here is, look, God knows. He knows that you need them. And then listen to what he says. If we seek God, if we seek after him and stop worrying about ourselves about it and just give it to the Lord, the, there's a promise and the promise is that all these things will be given to you. Okay, and let's just consider for a second who is telling us this promise. It is not the Apostle Paul. It is not Peter. It is not John. It is not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or David, or anybody like that. This promise comes straight out of the mouth of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, God's Son. And he is not a liar. So if we seek after him, that daily bread is going to come because he says it himself. So let's stop worrying about tomorrow and let's just consider today that God give us today our daily bread and not just what we need in terms of groceries and money, but also give us our daily spiritual nourishment as well. Remember, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. So let's consider that as well. God, what, what I, I want you today. I, I need you to speak to me today. Give us today our daily bread. It's practical and it's spiritual as well. And let's not be concerned about tomorrow. Let's, as we pray that prayer, we will grow in our trust in God every single day because we will see him come through over and over. And that prayer that might begin with a little hesitancy and worry will begin to become a prayer of confidence. I guarantee it. And as we look back on the trials, we'll remember the testimony and we'll say, God, you're gonna get me through this as well because you are a God who is faithful yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen. Amen. All right. So give us today our daily bread, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Okay. Listen, let's not gloss over the fact that Jesus includes repentance and forgiveness in the Lord's prayer. And I teach Bible class here at our school. And something I tell my class every year is that the prayer of repentance is one of the most powerful and important prayers that we can have in our relationship with the Lord. And it needs to be a daily thing where we come to God and we repent and we ask for forgiveness every single day. Why is it so important? Because when we come to God with the things that we're ashamed of, the things that we feel guilty about, the things that we feel remorse about, the things that we have hidden deep in our hearts that nobody knows about. And we lay them before God and we say, God, forgive me of this. That is where we experience his grace. And when we experience his grace, we experience his love. And once we experience his love for us, that's where all this other stuff gets real. We say, okay, God, you really do love me. Because when we go to him and we confess these things, and look, I'm not talking about saying, God, forgive me my sins in Jesus' name, amen. I'm talking about going to him and laying it out there, telling him the things that we're, 
we're ashamed of that nobody else knows, putting it out there. And when we don't feel condemnation and, and the fireballs from heaven and him saying, well, you're a loser and you're, you're never gonna amount to anything. And instead we feel his grace and his compassion for us and his love for us, then, then we can start all, this other, all these other things. It is so important that we walk in daily repentance. And I wanna, I wanna tell a story right now that I think illustrates it really well. And it's in Matthew chapter 27. And it's the story of Judas. And if you don't know who Judas Iscariot is, he's the disciple of Jesus who betrays him. He gets a bribe and he turns Jesus over to the Roman uh, soldiers and they inevitably are the ones that kill Jesus. And it all starts with Judas, one of his disciples, betraying him. And we're gonna pick it up after that has all happened, after Judas has kissed Jesus on the cheek and Jesus is arrested. And sure enough, Judas is remorseful. And let, let's read what happens here, starting in verse three. It says, when Judas who had betrayed him saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Before we even get to Judas, I wanna re first really quickly just look at these Pharisees because this, I believe, th th these few verses right here are the best example of Satan in our lives. And what Satan does is he gets in our ear and he tempts us over and over. And he tells us, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And so we eventually, a lot, a lot of times, we, we believe him and we sin and we're filled with remorse and we go back and, and the, the Pharisees reaction to Judas here is exactly how Satan is. When we feel that remorse, he says, what do I care? I don't care about you. Satan tempts us and he tempts us and he convinces this is gonna be good for you. This is gonna be good for you. And then the second that we give in, he says, I don't care about you at all. And that's exactly what the Pharisees do here. And they say, what is that to us? And so Judas throws the money into the temple and he goes and he hangs himself. And I, this is the point I wanna make. Judas doesn't hang himself because he betrayed Jesus. He hangs himself because he doesn't understand repentance. He doesn't understand repentance. We talked last week in the sermon that God removes us from our sins as far as the East is from the West. Listen, God wants to forgive us, but we have to repent first. Judas didn't understand that. Think about this for a second. Peter, on the night of Jesus's arrest, betray, or denies even knowing Jesus three times. And Jesus still uses Peter as the rock of the new church. Paul, before he, before he became, to, became a Christian, he, he arrested, he, he hunted down Christians and arrested them and, and had them killed, right? And then God uses him to, to write most of the New Testament. I mean, just think, think about all these people. And here, you know, Jesus, even on, when he's on the cross and he's dying on the cross, he says to God, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Don't you think that if Judas had gone to Jesus instead of the Pharisees and said, Jesus, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I didn't know what I was doing. Will you ever forgive me? Don't you think in that moment, Jesus would have said, I forgive you, Judas. I forgive you. And then Judas wouldn't have gone and killed himself. And I wanna say right now to those listening that haven't accepted Jesus because you think that you've done too much, let me tell you, 
There is nothing that you can do that will separate you from the love of the Father. There's nothing that you can do that will trump Jesus's death on the cross and his love for you. He died for you. And the reason that, that Jesus is so quick to forgive us is because he took the sin already. He took the sin that we, he knew we were gonna commit. He said, I got this. So all we have to do is repent. And I wanna say to you right now, if there's anybody out there that's watching this, that is listening to this, if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's all you have to do. I want you to pause this sermon right now. Hit pause and say that prayer, however you need. Listen, there's no script. You don't have to repeat after me. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe. Be my Savior, forgive me of my sins and he will come in like a flood and you will experience a grace and a love that you never have before. So stop this video right now and, and say that prayer and understand that Jesus wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. And you can begin a relationship with him right here and right now. Amen. There's a second part to this. Jesus instruct us, instructs us to ask forgiveness from God, but then it also says, forgive us our debts as we forgive others, as we forgive our debtors. You know, we, we have a lot of time right now uh, in during this whole coronavirus deal. And as God is continuing to, to strip away things in our lives and, and show us what is most important, I think what we're realizing is the thing that is most important is him and other people. It's about relationships. And, and I want to put this out there for anyone who is holding a grudge against someone else. Now is the time to forgive them, to pick up the phone and call them and have that conversation. Because look, aren't we realizing that, that life, that life is, is bigger than those things? It, it, we're seeing what's important and it's people and it's relationships. Ephesians Chapter four, verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Let's use this opportunity that we have when we're stuck at home and we can't go anywhere to, to reconcile broken relationships with people. Look, we, we are a body. Let's not be broken when we get out of this. Let's come out of this time looking back and saying, yeah, it was hard, but man, I'm so glad that I had that opportunity to get right with so-and-so. Because the, the truth is when we hold grudges and we, we hold unforgiveness, what we don't understand is, I would say with, with pretty high confidence that anything that someone has done wrong to you, you have already done that to Jesus, at least once in your life. So the things that we are holding grudges against other people, we have done that to Jesus. Okay, so doesn't that kind of put things in a little bit of context? That the grudges that we're holding against other people, we, we've done to the Lord, and you know, when we go to him and ask forgiveness, you know what he does? He's quick to forgive us. So let's use this time as a time of reconciliation. Say, hey, I need you to forgive me or I'm holding this and we need to get it right. We need to get it right. Let's not, let's not let this time of being quarantined go by without us reconciling things with other people. Jesus put this in the Lord's prayer. It is that important. It is that important that we do it. This isn't buried in some other part of wherever. This is Jesus saying it in the Sermon on the Mount in the Lord's prayer. 
Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, all right? As we forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who have harmed us. It's important. It's important because we are a family and we are a body and we need to get right with one another. All right. Continuing on in the Lord's Prayer in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, so this can be a little confusing for a lot of people because if you read it, it sounds like we're supposed to ask God not to lead us into temptation of sin, which is counter to what we find in James chapter one, verse 13, which says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So if it's saying in the Lord's prayer, lead us not into temptation, but James is saying that God can't tempt us, what is that? That doesn't make any sense. There seems to be a contradiction there. Well, let's start in James chapter one. Because what James is saying here is that God can't tempt us in the way that, that our own sinful nature does or even the way Satan does. And what he's referring to there is the lie that, that sin is a benefit to us, okay? So what he's saying there is, look, you don't blame God. God can't tempt us in that way. God can't get in our ear and whisper in our ear lies, right? That would then lead us to sin because we fall into sin because we believe the lie that sin will be good for us. And what we know about God is that God can't lie. So God can't tempt us into sin. We, out of our sinful nature, we can, or, or the devil whispering in our ear, hey, this is gonna be good for you, you need to do this, right? So that's what James is addressing. Like, look, God isn't in your ear whispering temptations to you because God can't lie. He can't say something that is wrong for you is good for you. He just can't do it. God is a God of truth. He can only say truth. And so what the Lord's prayer is actually saying is something totally different. It's totally different. This word temptation in the Greek that Jesus is saying, lead us not into temptation, that word is actually can also be translated as test or trial. And so what Jesus is saying here is like, look, pray that God won't lead you into a test, but that if it happens, when it happens, that he would deliver you from evil. And what I equate this part of the prayer to is a lot is actually out of Jesus's own mouth when he's about to get arrested and, and his death is imminent. And he prays in Matthew uh, 26, verse 39, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And so what Jesus is praying in this moment is, God, if there's any other way, let this cup go before me. Let, if there's some other way where I don't have to die on the cross and, and endure this painful, hard death, but your will be done your will be done. And that's, that's really what I equate this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's like, look, God, I don't wanna have to go through a test or a trial. I don't wanna have to do that. But when I do, you deliver me, right? You deliver me. In other words, don't let me rely on my own strengths. Don't let me rely on my own abilities. But when those tests, when those trials come, you deliver me. Let me ask some of y'all, you feel like you've been tested a little bit lately. You feel like you're in a trial lately. Is your prayer, God, you deliver me? Or have you just spending, are you spending all your time and all your energy trying to figure out how you can do it alone, right? What Jesus is saying here is, look, pray that when the trials and the testings come, that God will deliver you. Okay, Martin Luther says it really well. He says, temptation is the best school into which the Christian can enter. I'm gonna read that again. Temptation is the best school into which the Christian can enter. Yet, 
in itself, apart from the grace of God, it is so doubly hazardous that this prayer should be offered every day. Lead us not into temptation. Or if we must enter into it, Lord, deliver us from evil. So this is, these tests, these trials are a time of growth. They're a time where we draw close to the Lord. It's a time where we get on our knees and pray every day because we're in the test and we're in the trial. But in that, we would pray, God, you deliver us. You deliver us. Let's pray that today and tomorrow and the next day that God will deliver us. If we as a church, if we as a body, as we as a family can pray that every day, that he will see us through. Let's not lean on our own understanding, our own abilities, our own strengths, but let's pray, God, in this test that I didn't wanna go through, but I find myself in, will you deliver me from this evil? And lastly, verse 13, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. And there's been some debate uh, whether this, was, this part of the prayer was added later or not. And for today, we're going to say that it was, it's part of the Lord's prayer, right? And what I, the, the words that are important there is that, for, is that second word, yours. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. You know, this, this life that we are living, my life and your life, we are not the main characters in it. The main character is God. It's all about him. And we need to be careful not to make everything about ourselves. He, in his grace and his mercy, includes us in the story, but it is all for his glory because it's his kingdom, right? And it's by his power, not our own. And it is for his glory and not our own that he sees us through so that when we get to the other side, we can praise his name. We can shout his name from the rooftops and saying, my God was faithful and his kingdom will grow because it was by his power for his glory. It's about him. Psalms 115 verse one says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. So as we pray, as we close every one of our prayers, we need to remember that this is about him. It's about him. But when it's about him, it includes us. It includes his love for us. It includes his his peace, his provision, and his protection over us. But it's so that we can then boast in him. So as we pray every day, let's remember that God is the main character in all of this. And he's decided in it to include us. How awesome is that? And as we close this morning, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that today is Palm Sunday. What an amazing thing Palm Sunday is. I'm always fascinated with it. And and I wanna read as we we transition into this this week, this holy week that we're about to enter into. um, I I wanna remember what was done on Palm Sunday that's recorded in Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse eight. It says, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him, him being Jesus, Jesus is being ushered into the town on a donkey. This is his great moment, his parade. So the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
And what a scene this must have been to hear these people proclaiming this. It's an awesome moment. But what I, what I always think about on Palm Sunday is not this moment. It's how quickly things changed after this moment. How people went from crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They shouted Hosanna and then how quickly they then shouted crucify. I mean, so short. And what, what, what always convicts me about this is, am I that person? Am I that person that can, that can do a study on the Lord's prayer and hear about how he meets our daily needs and how he loves us more than the birds of the air and the flowers in the fields to then forget all that in the next moment and worry and be stressed and look to myself and myself only. I don't wanna be a person that cries Hosanna and then forgets about it. I don't wanna be like that. I wanna remember the things that God's done. I wanna remember what he's done for us. Let's be that people who stand on the promises of God. Let's not forget who he is. Let's not forget about that. And I want to address quickly, there's probably a lot of questions about East, what Easter is going to look like next Sunday. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna continue to have an online service. But this week, if you can, and it, uh, find some juice and some bread and have communion ready, because we're gonna take communion next Sunday together separately, but together. And if you can't, if you can't get out of your house, if you can't, uh, if you don't have any juice uh, or bread or anything like that in the house, either call Beaches Chapel this week and we'll get some for you or just find something else in your house that you can use, all right? Find something else in your house that you can use. Listen, communion is about the heart more than anything else. And so we're gonna take communion next week together and we're gonna celebrate Easter. We're gonna celebrate our risen savior in our homes and online. Okay, but but we're also gonna do something else. When this whole thing is over, when this pandemic ends and it's going to end, when the coronavirus is a memory, and when we gather back here in person in Beaches Chapel Church, we are going to have an Easter service, all right? Whether it's in June, July, August, whenever. We don't know, we don't know the date, whenever that is. But we are going to have an Easter service. We are not gonna let a virus or the calendar dictate when we have Easter, okay? We're not gonna let this pandemic rob us of an Easter Sunday. So ladies, don't return your dresses. Men, don't, for, don't think for a second that you got out of having to wear a tie to Easter, all right? Because we're gonna do it, all right? And we're gonna celebrate. But in the meantime, we're gonna have our Easter online service. And we're gonna have communion in our homes. And I'm believing it's gonna be special, okay? Not only that, but on Friday, we're gonna be releasing a Good Friday service as well. So on Friday, look for, a, look for a Good Friday service, both on our app, on the website, on our YouTube channel. And then on Sunday, we're gonna have Easter. So if you can, even on Friday, actually, I'd love for you to get some communion elements then because we're gonna take it on Friday, on Good Friday, and we're also gonna take it on Easter Sunday. But again, don't think for a second that we're not having an Easter service at Beaches Chapel because it's gonna go down and it's gonna be awesome and the roof is gonna blow off of this place when that time comes. I'm telling you now, I'm fired up about it already if you can't tell. But again, going back to um, the Lord's Prayer, let's just consider that this week. As you pray your own version of prayer, remember all these things. Remember that God is our Father 
and that his throne is heaven and his name is revered in the heavens and the earth and below the earth. And it's all about his will because his will is far superior than ours. And that as we, as we trust that God is our father and that his throne is heaven, then we can say with confidence, God, give us today our daily bread, meet our practical needs, meet our spiritual and emotional and mental needs, meet our physical needs. Right, we can say, God, forgive me because you are my father and I know that you love me. God, give me the strength to forgive others. Right, as we, as we pray these things, let's remember that. Let's remember that. And, and I wanna close today, just like we closed last week with the Lord's prayer. And we're gonna say it together again today. We're gonna say it with meaning. We're gonna say it with confidence. And we're gonna say it with love to our heavenly father. And then after we're done, I'm just gonna continue on and close us in prayer this morning. So let's all bow our heads and uh, let's say this prayer together. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And Father, we just thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this study, Lord. And I pray, God, that our, our prayer life and our, and, and, our, and our confidence in you is gonna grow because of how you told us to pray. God, because you remind us of who you are and how much you love us. And God, I just wanna say again, for those that are listening or watching today, God, that feel like they've done too much, Lord, that they would, they, would, they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. They would realize, God, firsthand that you love them and that your grace is enough, Lord, that there's nothing they could do to separate them from your love, that you are ready and waiting to forgive them and embrace them and be their father and they be your children. Thank you, Jesus, for meeting all of our needs. God, I pray for those that have lost their jobs. Lord, for those that have taken a pay cut, God, for those that um, are stressing financially, Lord, that you are going to rain down manna for us, God. And as we get through this, there is going to be so many testimonies, God, of how you met our needs. Thank you for that, Jesus. God, we lift up every doctor, every nurse, everyone that's on the front line, every grocery store worker, anyone that's working to go orders, Father, anyone that's out there, Lord, that's working, Father, we lift them up and we pray that you would bless them, give them rest, give them strength, Father. Lord, we, we pray right now for peace, for protection and provision in every home, God, that, it, that every home would be a place of peace, not worry of anxiety, that you would protect every home from every sickness and disease that would try and come that way. And God, that you would provide, you would be a God of provision to every house, Lord. You will meet our needs, God. Lord, what the enemy meant for evil, you were gonna mean for good because there is gonna be testimony after testimony after testimony of how you met our needs, God. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, God. Bless us today, God. Thank you, Jesus, for seeing us through this time. We know that you will. We're gonna stand on the testimony of yesterday to get us through today. We love you. We love you. We love you. We bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Don't forget to get your, your juice and your bread this week. If you can't, call the church office and we will get it for you. We will find a way. All right, y'all be blessed. Love you. We'll see you for tomorrow's daily devotional. Thanks. Have a great day.